0: Hello everyone, Alan Mishra here from Vitality Explorers. Uh, Please sign up at Vitality Explorers for free scientific information about how to enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. Uh, This is the 10th Vitality Explorer News podcast, and we're going to start it with a quick quote. Be so good, they can't ignore you. That's from Steve Martin. So be so good, they can't ignore you. Um, I really am enjoying uh, producing the podcast and the Vitality Explorer news on on Substack, as well as on your phone, which you can get by signing up at VitalityExplorers.com. The audience is growing rapidly on all three uh, formats. Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with your friends and family and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. There are also just a few spots left at the stanford continuing studies vitality course you can find it on stanford continuing studies just type in my last name mishra and you'll find the well 15 class called how to enhance your vitality so let's get rolling here this week we have some really interesting data to go over and here's the three things we're going to talk about is it possible you can eat french fries for 30 straight days had that equivalent to eating almonds for 30 straight days this is a very interesting and somewhat surprising study the second one we're going to go over is light at night increases your heart rate and insulin resistance and we're going to go into that one a pretty interesting uh, data on how we know light is bad for our our sleeping but it's really also interestingly bad for our heart and glucose metabolism and the final One we're going to talk about uh, this week is why spirituality can enhance your vitality, especially in the context of a serious illness. All right. So raise your hand out there if you are a French fry person, if you like French fries. Almost everybody seems to like French fries. And what I found staggering is that there was a study out there that talks about French fries and almonds being equivalent. Wow. Wow. That sounds kind of crazy doesn't it so this is a real scientific randomized controlled trial where um, you know people were looking at taking in uh, either almonds 30 straight days or potatoes in the form of french fries or french fries with some herbs and we'll talk about the details here every single day for a month so sort of the background of this is uh, this is a quote from the background of the study Epidemiologic observation suggests increased potato consumption correlates with weight gain, adiposity, diabetes risks, while nut consumption is associated with weight control and metabolic health. Excuse me. So basically, potatoes are bad for you and almonds are good is is the background of the study. And what they really did, they divided 180 adults into three categories, almonds, French fries and then potatoes with herbs and spices. And the key component of this study is that the total calorie count was the same for each of the groups, okay? And I think they had about 300 calories in each. Uh, the study did not, however, measure what else the participants were eating. And their primary goal, their primary sort of background hypothesis uh, was, was was based on what would be your fat content uh, baseline versus 30 days later. And so fat was measured by dual energy x-ray uh, absorptometry, which is basically called a DEXA scan, but it's really kind of a cool thing that can measure your overall fat in your body. And that was the primary outcome measurement. Your glucose and insulin measurements were secondary outcome measures. And here's kind of the interesting, maybe even staggering finding, is that total fat mass change, in fact, how much Fat you had in your body from baseline to 30 days was not significantly different between the almond and potato groups. And you can again look at the figures and the references on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site if you you want to see this. So the study uh, found quote no evidence that increased daily consumption of potatoes resulted in significantly greater fat mass or body weight gain or changes in fasting bio uh, blood markers related to glucose metabolism. in in an energy-matched consumption of almonds. That's, that's, That's amazing, isn't it, right? So you can eat french fries every single day for 30 days, and it's no different than eating almonds. So I was a little skeptical as I read through this study two or three times, but the data does suggest that your overall fat doesn't change. There's also no change in your fasting glucose or insulin, but the deeper dive into the study reveals some important findings. In a subset of each group, they measured the glucose and insulin right after consuming almonds or French fries. So then they found some important differences. They found that when you consumed almonds, um, you had almost no spike in either your glucose or insulin. So the graphs, again, are on the Substack site on, uh, under Vitality Explorer News. Whereas, um, you know, French fries or, or, or basically tater tots with herbs and spices both did increase your glucose and your insulin. Um, so I think it's a little more nuanced than just you can eat French fries and almonds versus almonds every every day for 30 days. The, the study was performed at the Indiana University, or the lead author was Indiana University School of Public Health in Bloomington. Um, and here's what uh, Dr. David Allison said. This is, quote, the take home message is, if you like almonds, eat some almonds. If you like potatoes, eat some potatoes, but don't overeat either. All right. That's, that's the lead author's take on that. Here are my two takes. Um, almonds are better for you than french fries. Almonds, because almonds don't spike your glucose and they have a significant amount of fiber and other variety of other nutrients. And it's also okay to eat french fries, but don't be a pig. Consume them uh, once in a while, but you know never go to McDonald's and get the extra large serving. So this is a very interesting study. I think it shows that the calorie count is important. Uh, So if you're eating 300 uh, calories of almonds or 300 calories of French fries, it doesn't seem to change your overall fat content or your overall weight significantly in a a month. Um, Check out the the, the full reference on the Substack site. uh, And, you know, I I guess it's still a little unclear in my mind, but I'm not going to jump out and and do the McDonald's challenge of French fries every day. Uh, I'm going to stick with my almonds. All right. Second one we're going to talk about is light exposure during sleep impairs your uh, cardiometabolic function. Okay. So light at night is bad for you. And it's been found in this study that we're going to talk about to increase your heart rate and insulin resistance. So we know that light is not good for your sleep, uh, but we now understand it might also, it does also affect your heart function and, and glucose metabolism. And as always, let's dive into the data. So the study methods were adults Slept in a dim light condition for the first night. Um, you know, again, this is a randomized trial here. Uh, and then the the sec, the second night, half of them slept again in dim light, and the other half slept in um, high light conditions. So more light. The significant differences were then found in terms of insulin and resistance and heart rate. So I'm going to read this, the, the uh, quote from the overall significance of the study, and then we'll talk about it. So, quote, ambient nightlight exposure is implicated as a risk factor for adverse health outcomes, including cardiometabolic disease. However, the effects of nighttime light exposure during sleep on cardiometabolic outcomes are unclear. Uh, the, the study that this study showed that in healthy adults, one night of moderate light exposure during sleep increases nighttime heart rate, decreases heart rate variability, and increases the next morning insulin resistance when compared to sleeping in dim light. There also seems to be a positive relationship between something called your sympatho-vagal balance and insulin levels, suggesting a sympathetic af- activation plays a role in light-induced changes. So there's a lot of big medical words in that abstract, but let's try and unpack them. The first one's pretty easy to understand, uh, and that is with more light in the room, your heart rate goes up. But, I mean, that's an interesting finding, right? I mean, I sort of intuitively that makes sense, but they showed that empirically in the study. The second point is complex and related to something called your heart rate variability or HRV. And this is a big thing out here in Silicon Valley. People are talking about HRV, but what what does that really mean, heart rate variability? I think we like to think of our heart as beating regularly or, or almost like a metronome, but that's not exactly true. Uh, We have to understand a little physiology to understand why heart rate variability is really important to your vitality. Um, And so here's a quote from the study. The oscillations of a healthy heart are complex and constantly changing, which allow your cardiovascular system to rapidly adjust to sudden physiologic or psychologic changes. Okay, so that's a really interesting, just little concept there. So if you just had a metronome-like heart, you wouldn't be able to respond, you know, when the saber-toothed tiger is after you or, or even a psychological threat. Your heart needs to be able to change its pace up or down. And there's a there's systems that are associated with that. Your sympathetic nervous system um, is one that would increase your heart rate, and your parasympathetic nervous system is one that would decrease it. So in the study, they they measured these two, and the sympathetic one was the power within it's pretty complex, but it goes by this LF measure versus HF. And the LF HF ratio in heart rate variability is reported, was reported in the study. Um, and they found that there was a higher ratio, meaning more sympathetic nervous input. Um, When you had light at night, and this is associated with more fight or flight behaviors, which is not good for you or your heart, sort of like a stress reaction. And so in the in the paper and on the Substack site, you can see the graph. There was higher LF to HF ratio. So this is, again, not good for you. The final point, the final point of the study is your insulin resistance is higher when you're sleeping in light versus dim conditions. And this results in higher blood sugar levels, which is obviously not good for you. Um, You know, just a a little bit from Dr. Google, quote, the hormone insulin helps control the amount of sugar or glucose in your body when insulin resistance, excuse me, with insulin resistance the body cells don't respond normally to insulin. Glucose can enter the cells as easily so the blood glucose builds up in your blood, and this can eventually lead to type 2 diabetes. Um, So overall, that's a quote, by the way, end quote. Uh, I I thought this study was fascinating. Uh, We know that light is bad for our overall sleep conditions, but we can now point to specific evidence suggesting light is also bad for our heart. It increases our heart rate. Uh, It also increases the sympathetic or sort of fight-or-flight tone in in our heart. Uh, and our blood sugar levels. So the recommendations are here too. Number one, keep your room as dark as possible, or get sort of a comfortable eye mask that you can wear that blocks as much light as possible. Uh, and number two is, I think you'll sleep better with that, and you'll know that your heart rate will be lower, and your blood sugars may also be lower. Okay. The final one we're going to go over this this week is something I call pain, faith in God. Again, you can look on the uh, Substack site for more details, and you can also go to VitalityExplorers.com to sign up for free text messages that will come to your phone once a week uh, and give you access to this. All right. I think the bottom line for this, this study that we're, series of studies that we're going to go over is that spiritual spirituality matters to your vitality. Now, this isn't my opinion. This is based on the published data that we're going to go over. But I think we need to define spirituality first. Um, that according to the dictionary definition, spirituality is, quote, the quality of being concerned with human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. Well, I'm going to boil that down to my definition, which I think is, here we go. Spirituality is belief in something bigger than yourself. And again, significant evidence is accumulating This matters, especially in the context of severe disease. So here's some excerpts from a Harvard Medical School article on the topic of spirituality and health. Uh, Again, you can see all the references on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. Quote, freedom from pain was ranked number one out of 44 quality of life attributes of seriously ill patients near death. And quote, at peace with God was ranked number two. So pain is number one you want to avoid if you have a serious illness, but being at peace with God is number two. The the article also stated, quote, many studies associate spirituality with increased quality of life. A meta-analysis, which is a big study of studies performed by the American Cancer Society's uh, study of cancer survivors found that spirituality was an independent predictor of better quality of life and emotional well-being. A separate analysis of this same data Found faith contributed a significant amount to cancer survivors' functional quality of life, with nearly seventy percent of the participants reporting religion and spirituality helped them through their cancer experience. Unquote. So that's really fascinating, right? Um, And this relationship between spirituality and health is not limited just to cancer treatments. There was another uh, multi-site study of HIV and AIDS patients that showed that eighty percent of the participants were comforted by their spirituality and seventy-five percent found strength in religiosity due to their illness. Okay, interesting second study was of uh, they had 100 um, cancer patients, their caregivers and 257 oncologists were asked to rank the following parameters with regard to decision making. Okay, here's the things they asked them to rank. Cancer doctor's recommendation, faith in God, ability of treatment to cure disease, side effects, family doctor's recommendation, spouse's recommendation, and children's recommendations. And here's the answer. Here's the results. All three groups ranked the oncologist recommendation as the most important. Patient and caregivers ranked faith in God second, whereas physicians placed it last. And the P-value on this was point zero 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 one. There's a massive difference between the physicians and the patients and their caregivers in terms of what was most most important with regard to uh, faith in God. And I think this is a crucial disconnect that needs to be addressed. Um, Physicians do not have to believe, as many of their patients do, in the power of faith. They should, however, in my opinion, acknowledge the importance of God in a person's life, especially a dying person's life. They should ask patients if they want more spiritual support. Now, we know most hospitals have chaplains or other multi-faith-based support counselors, and I think these people can be powerful resources for the seriously ill patients. Uh, The the Harvard Medical School article also suggested physicians uh, can and should address spirituality at the primary care level even prior to advanced illness. I think it's important to note that we can still be vital as we die. And just on a personal note, I watched a close friend of mine die of ALS in 2020. He was vibrant until the very end. He was a West Point graduate, Army tank commander, Silicon Valley, elite Silicon Valley executive. And most importantly, he was just an amazing father, husband and friend. Um, he drew his community really close with his efforts to raise awareness for ALS as he was dying over about a year and a half. He and his family raised hundreds of thousands of dollars um, in search of trying to find a cure or find better support for families that uh, are, are suffering with ALS. But his faith never wavered. I think he knew he'd be in a better place after his death. And even after he has passed on, he continues to inspire people to be better versions of themselves. And... To have spirituality in their lives, which again, in my definition is uh, to believe in something bigger than yourself. Um, I really thought his faith um, did not take away his pain. He, he suffered greatly, but his faith in God helped him to endure it. And I've seen a lot of pain and serious injuries in my career as an orthopedic surgeon. And I've also experienced death early in my life. I lost my mother when I was nine to a brain tumor. Um, but without my faith, I would not have survived many challenges. Um, and I hope that when my day comes to face de- death directly, um, treat, my treating physicians will consider my faith in their end-of-life treatment recommendations. So a little heavy there, but um, I think it's still important to realize spirituality is part of your vitality. Um, I really enjoy um, making these Vitality Explorer news podcasts. Uh, I hope you will consider signing up at VitalityExplorers.com for free scientific information about how to enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. And we're going to end with that quick quote from Steve Martin. Quote, be so good, they can't ignore you and dare to be vital.